It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross. Yes! Yes! Touchdown! They did it! Hey, what's going on? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us here on a Friday. I had a lot of fun hanging out at the Beehive Grill last night, yesterday. This year was more like in the afternoon. Yeah, afternoon into the early evening. It's kind of, there's not really a definitive afternoon to evening because we have a obvious morning-afternoon cutoff. There, it's kind of subjective. When do you think the evening begins? Yeah, when does the evening begin? I guess maybe it depends on the time of year also. Because, like, now yeah. it's like 4.30, it's dark, it's, it's night. See I, see, I say 5.30 is early evening, and at some point between 5 and 7. Like, 7 o'clock is evening, 5 yes. o'clock is early evening, and I haven't drawn a line in between what's early evening and actual evening. <laughs> I just know that by 7 o'clock, it's evening. All I know is it was kind of quiet when we started, and the place was hopping when we left. Yeah, um, well, that's because we came in at not dinner time and left <laughs> yes, at dinner time. At the prime time for dinner. But that was a lot of fun, uh, hanging out with Chucky e. Keaton and Jalen Moore, um, interacting with some of the folks who were there. Uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast. It is available on 1069thefan.com or wherever you find uh, podcasts. Uh, just search for it there, and you can find us. Uh, but anyway, a lot of fun. And a shortened show for us today here on the Full Court Press, Skyview Hoops. They're down at a tournament in, at uh, Davis High School. Uh, tonight they face, who do they face tonight? Is it Olympus? I think it's Olympus. They they barely beat Bountiful, I think. I don't know the circumstances of how that game ended. but they, Even by a point. Yeah, they, they beat Bountiful. Um, yeah, then, yeah Olympus, I think it's Olympus today. Today and then Woods Cross tomorrow. It uh, doesn't look like we're going to be able to have that Woodcross game tomorrow, but we will have the Olympus game this afternoon. Uh, we have a few other scheduling conflicts with just some things going on. Uh, we will not have the Green Canyon at Morgan game tonight on 100.9, uh, and unfortunately we will not have the Ridgeline game at Springville uh, but uh, Logan versus Century, that is on. Yep. Mountain Crest at Cedar Valley, also happening. And uh, Bear River at Northridge. Yeah, originally I'd seen it as home against Northridge, and then today I found out it was at Northridge. I was like, oh. But our broadcasters were on top of it. They knew it was at Northridge. They were on top of it, yeah. So Trent, he'll be on calling the play on uh, 104.9, the ranch. Over in Box Elder County. And uh, the Skyview game this afternoon, late afternoon, early evening here it'll, on the fan. It'll start early evening. And then after that, we'll go to the Utah Jazz as they're taking on 
the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Very yeah. exciting game with Rudy Gobert back in town. Uh, Jason, you'll be doing the Logan game uh, hosting Century on KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM. And uh, Jake Ellis calling the play-by-play for the Mustangs on their road game at Cedar Valley. Yeah, pretty nice. I just saw a really great pun that's relevant to today's sports. Uh, it says, uh, don't cry, 4-3 Argentina. Don't. <laughs> Those of you familiar with the song, <laughs> Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. <laughs> ah, very good. Very good. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is funny. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for good puns like that. Uh, we did have some World Cup today. Yeah. As you mentioned, that wasn't the only game. Yeah, not the only game to go to penalties either. Both games today, absolute thrillers uh, going to penalties. And I forgot just how... Every time it goes to penalties, I forget how suspenseful it is. And it's completely different because I've been to penalty games here in the Valley, playoff games with girls and boys soccer. That's stressful enough. And this is Utah high school playoffs. This is the World Cup we're talking about. The the world's largest stage. Yeah, and I just have to think. like I was watching the guy who, and I was thinking this, I forget the name of the guy who ended up kicking the the game-winning penalty. I was like, what's going through this dude's head? He knows this penalty is to advance to the semifinals. And, like, all that pressure, and then the dude just buried it. Um, it's just like, dang. And, you know, the, you see the, the face of the goalkeeper, and it's like, you know, and I've been in a position of having to be in a penalty shootout, but that's nobody cares in her murals. I didn't even care. I can't even remember most of those games. But these guys, they're having to face that same challenge of penalty, trying to figure out, you know, all the nuances of blocking a penalty added to the insane pressure you know just just watching the goalkeepers and penalties is is amazing because they are kind of the stars of penalty kicks even though they're probably the most helpless player on the field during penalties they have to react so quickly yeah have to have such fast reflexes and extend their whole body to try to get something on the ball well they also just have to be able to read the penalty kick taker because there is not a human being on this world that can react fast enough to a penalty. They have to read the penalty and then figure out where they're going, which can be hard because there's some penalty kick takers, and you saw some of them with Argentina and even one or two uh, for the Netherlands. And I'm sure there was that. Uh, I was watching the Netherlands Argentina, so I, I uh, mentioned this one. But, you know, obviously Brazil, Croatia, same thing probably. But you watch them, and their whole game is fake out the goalkeeper, and then slide it in where they're not. That's why so many often, so many times, you see the goalkeeper dive the wrong way. It's because they read the keeper, and they just kick it the other way, which is an incredibly hard thing to do because it requires last-second decision-making and confidence on your own part and technique and skill to be able to change which direction you're kicking the ball at literally the last moment. Right, because you still got to get some mustard on that to get that uh, uh, through there, so he doesn't have time to overreact and, and get back to where it is. Yeah, because yeah, you look not at, easy at all. Yeah, and you look at Messi's penalty that he kicked. That thing was a slow dribbler, but he read it at the right moment and just put it in. Others go for just straight power or placement, which can be risky. But if you do it right, you will never be blocked. Because I've said this a few times: if you miss a penalty, it was your fault. There's just about no penalty that was completely the goalkeeper's brilliance, although. 
that Argentina goalkeeper almost made me rethink that with a couple of his <laughs> saves. Like, holy cow, that dude extended almost to the goalpost. But the thing is, if you can place it right, every penalty kick will go in. You know, and some kickers are capable of doing that. Megan Rapino, her penalty kick is she puts it in the ceiling of the goal. No keeper will ever block it. But it's risky because you see guys sky the penalty a couple of times. And one guy for Argentina went wide left. You can miss. That's the problem. If you're putting it on the edge of no goalkeeper will ever save it, the margin, you know, for error gets really wide. As good as these guys are. So Croatia with uh, knocking off Brazil earlier. Yeah, they were probably the running favorites at this point, and then I was beginning to think they were going to move on. They were probably one of the biggest powerhouses left, and they're gone before the semis. So they're going to be, yeah, into the... uh Semifinals? Yeah, Croatia to the semifinals, Argentina to the semifinals, and I don't think they're playing each other. I think they're on opposite, opposite sides. Opposite sides. So we'll have the two teams they'll face. Um, we'll find out tomorrow. I forget. I only remember England as one Is of the it teams. Morocco, one of the teams? Oh, yeah, Morocco. It's been kind of Because they upset Spain, and I forget the other. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. So it's uh, England versus France. And okay, then yeah, that's yeah. Morocco versus Portugal. Classic rivalry, England France. I'm sure that won't get heated at all. <laughs> France probably now the favorite. They've been and maybe they were the definitive favorite before with Brazil maybe being another one. Uh France cuz they're they're the defending champions of the World Cup and they've looked really good on this World Cup so far. So we'll see how far they go, but yeah, England France I'm, I'm going to have to have to watch that game. <laughs> we'll see if I can. I can't remember if I have a some I'm doing tomorrow morning. Uh tomorrow morning? Yeah. I I'm trying know. to think. I know what I'm be doing really late tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> very, very late. Yeah, way too late. Yeah, I got an odd uh, start time for Utah State men's basketball tomorrow night. It's a ten thirty tip off local time as uh, they're gonna be down in Las Vegas. Uh, the home of the Las Vegas Aces is where this tournament is being played. It's not really a tournament, really, as much as it is. We're just hosting a bunch of random teams. Yeah, Though, it's a triple uh, header. Games on Saturday, every game on Saturday features a team from Utah. So first it'll be Southern Utah, then it'll be BYU with the Utah State Aggies as the nightcap. And then it picks up again on Monday with a bunch of random teams. Yeah. It it is weird because feels like Utah State and Loyola kind of got, I mean less so Loyola because they're, uh, I believe they're West Coast, aren't they? Well, uh, yeah, they're West Coast Conference. Yeah, I can never can't keep all these Loyolas straight wherever they are. Um, but yeah, so they're gonna be. I well, I think it's nine thirty their time because it's nine thirty in Vegas. Yes. In that specific time, so it'll be nine thirty for them. So even for them, it's a really late kickoff. Their tip off, and it just feels kind of dumb because it's like, you know, literally no one on the East Coast will ever want to stay up and watch this game. <laughs> no. It's not even on TV; it's like a pay per view or pay for subscription, um, service. It's like Sports Network, just generic Sports Network. I think is the name of the Sports company. Sports Network LLC. Yeah, so it's like, okay, it's like you know. 
watching Hawaii football all over again. You have to buy the subscription for the like. It's it feels like that's the entire revenue for these companies is get a bunch of games where you force fans of that team to buy a one month subscription for fifteen bucks or ten bucks in this case. So it's a little fresh. Of course, the the first two games on Saturday are gonna be on like on FS1. So at least I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. Uh, I think those two, the first two games are going to be televised. One of them involves yes. a ranked team playing against BYU, and then all of a sudden, first two games televised, but nobody wants the third one. I guess FS1 has some really killer overnight programming. <laughs> they must have something really compelling yeah. at that late hour for the West Coast. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it, it, it's a little weird. The, the the television situation so I know some Aggie fans may not feel up to poning up 10 bucks just to watch this game but it's an important game um, of course it feels like every game is important uh, when it comes to NCAA tournament uh, resume every game after every win or loss you're breaking down how does this apply to your NCAA tournament because Utah State's in that uh, you know you know position where they're not in a one bid conference so they actually have a chance at an at-large bid. So we're spending all this time analyzing resume. <laughs> so with this game, it's another one of those, all right, 89th ranked team in the net. Is it going to be a quad two win, quad three? I forget. I think it's quad two. Uh, well, yeah, right now, Loyola Marymount, they're 89, and it's at a neutral site, so this would be a quad two game Yeah. for USU. Of course, just by every time, if you win a game against a team that's like in a quad, a lot of times they'll be bumped down. Like, if Utah State wins this game and they win it handily, it probably bumps it down to a quad three game. And then they'll have to wait for Loyola to jump back up. Same thing kind of happened with Bradley and Oral Roberts. They knocked them down. I mean, granted, it was Ken Palm at the time, back into the, you know, low 100s. Now Bradley and Oral Roberts are like 60s and 70s. I think Bradley's like 68-ish and Oral Roberts is 70. So it's hard to break down all these at the time because <laughs> then they change immediately. So, But what do we know about Loyola Marymount as a team? Besides their net ranking, uh, the type of season they've had so far. Uh, so they're 8-3. and three. They've got a couple of solid wins. They embarrassed Colorado State. Um, I think that was a little over a week ago. They beat them like 87-71, something like that. They also beat Nevada. That was like a – I forget the exact score of that one. Um, I've got their team page up. I can just tell you. Uh, they beat Nevada 64-52. Uh, Loyola's coming off of a Wednesday matchup with, Green, uh, with Grand Canyon. I almost said Green Canyon. That would have, have been an interesting <laughs> wow. matchup. Yeah. <laughs> but they beat Grand Canyon on the road. Really tight win there, four-point win. Grand Canyon, a pretty solid team. Um, probably the feather in Loyola's cap on the season is beating Wake Forest, who I think is in the low 80s in NET. I want to say they're like 81. And so they beat him in overtime. That was in a tournament in Jamaica, I think. I think uh, Loyola went to the Jamaica tournament this year. So that's kind of the, the best win they have so far. They do have a quad one loss, and I think that was UC Irvine, if I remember correctly. I may not. They played three straight UC teams. <laughs> ah. <laughs> the Big West. Or maybe it was George. No, no, not George. They beat Georgetown. Well, Irvine they, is uh, currently 63. Okay, then. Well, it's, it was at UC Irvine. So road is 1 to one to one to 75 for quad one, isn't it? Yes. Okay, yep. so that's that should be the one then. 
Um, they lost by like 15 there. So their one quad one game was a pretty sizable loss. So Loyola is pretty much right in, t- in terms of um, prowess. They're right in the mix with a bunch of the other teams Utah State's played. They're a little behind Bradley and Oral Roberts in the NET, uh, and they're a little ahead of San Francisco. They're just kind of right in the middle there. In terms of style, they shoot a ton of threes. They're fourth in total three-point attempts this season. That's helped a little bit by the fact they've played 11 games, and not a lot of teams have played 11 games. But still, they're shooting a ton of threes. They don't make them at the same elite rate Utah State does, but they still hit like 36% of them, which for a team, you know, NCAA average is 34, 33, 34. So they're shooting above average as a team. They have three guys who can, who are around 40% three-point shooters. Two of them are above, one slightly below. So they're a team that can shoot. And probably the most interesting matchup for this game is... Uh, his name's uh, Kelly. I don't know if I can say his last name properly. Kelly uh, Lupepe, I think. Uh, he's a 6'6", 250-pound forward. And he's got inside and outside skill. He's shooting 40% from three. He's one of their 40% three-point shooters. And he's also able to attack the rim. And so he'll be a bit of a matchup problem. I imagine Taylor Funk and Dan Akin might see him a lot because... Uh, this guy plays both power forward and he'll play a small ball five. So we'll see how it goes. But he could be a matchup problem if the Aggies aren't able to contain him. If they can defend him well and not scramble against him because he'll attack closeouts hard or he'll shoot it over you if you don't respect his three. So if they're able to handle him, then they're not going to get killed on defense. But granted... Uh, Lupepe isn't even their leading scorer. That's Cam Shelton, who averages 18 a game. So there's multiple guys solid. in this team yeah. that are that are potentially deadly. So th- this would be a solid opponent for Utah State. Um, and uh, the next couple, well, after this, it's a, a bit of a dip. It's Westminster. <laughs> Westminster, the a game Weber State. Th- a game that's so easy, or theoretically so easy, it doesn't count against your uh, NET. No. Uh, but then it picks up again when they go to... Uh, their tournament in in Hawaii, but uh, this is a good one that they can't overlook, and they've had time this week to work on some things, rest up, get healthy. Uh, Rylan Jones, will he be back? Uh, he will not. He's still out, and I'd expect him to be out for probably this game. And my speculation is he'll also be out for Westminster. He's no reason to rush him back. For yeah, and Odom said that he's ahead of schedule. Uh, he didn't provide a timetable, but said he seems to be ahead of schedule. My guess is he'll be out probably until the Seattle game, if he's back by the Seattle game. All right, we've got to take a timeout here in the Full Court Press. Shortened show today, we have Skyview Basketball. It will be starting later on this hour. Uh, Hurricane John Newbold at Davis High School with the Bobcats. But uh, Utah Jazz are also in action tonight. That will happen after the Skyview game. Uh, more on that coming up next on the Full Court Press. Your skis are skinny and your boots tie with leather. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You need up-to-date ski equipment and your kids want the good stuff. Al Sporting Goods has season ski rental for the entire family. Ski and board equipment that you can rent for the entire season. Pick them up now, bring them back in May. And for a limited time, get a free Cherry Peak Lift Pass. Youth season ski or snowboard rental, only $99. Adult season ski or snowboard rentals, only $114. Don't wait. 99 and 114 season ski rental prices will go up. Al Sporting Goods for season ski rentals. Every sport, every season. 
Holiday parties and events at the Riverwoods Conference Center offer a festive and fun holiday atmosphere. Paired with catering from the Elements Restaurant, your special occasion can include tasty hors d'oeuvres, delicious entrees, and decadent desserts that always deliver excellence. Now accepting reservations for the 2022 holiday season, the Riverwoods Conference Center and Elements Restaurant can accommodate you whether your event is large or small. Visit theriverwoods.com or call 750-5151. This is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. We are humbled by and grateful for the tremendous support we have been shown since opening our doors nearly two years ago. So we just want to say thank you. On behalf of everyone at White Pine, first and foremost, thank you for allowing us the honor and privilege of serving you and caring for your loved ones. Additionally, thank you for voting White Pine the best mortuary in Cache Valley in both 2021 and 2022. White Pine Funeral Services Olson IT is your source for top quality technology. We carry the latest desktop and laptop PCs in stock, configured to your specific needs, and backed by our award-winning support team. And if your business demands high-performance hardware, we offer custom-built computers that can tackle any task. We also offer great computer accessories like monitors, keyboards, speakers, Fujitsu document scanners, and more. Get a quote today. Les Olson IT. We're heading into some crazy weather this winter, which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac automatic standby generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac automatic standby generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac automatic standby generators. Power you can count on. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Northern Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. Thermo Fisher Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for anyone seeking a rewarding career. Thermo Fisher offers positions across multiple shifts, competitive compensation, health benefits, paid time off, bonuses, and an excellent work environment. Help Thermo Fisher make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Visit jobs.thermofisher.com and search Logan. Thermo Fisher Scientific is an equal opportunity employer. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in joining us. Uh, shortened show today, Skyview Basketball. Pre-game coverage for them. Uh, their game today, starting at about 4.45 with Hurricane John Newbold. And then the Utah Jazz, after that, taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert back in town for the first time wearing a different uniform. Uh, it's going to be a little weird, I'll be honest. Yeah, it will be. It'll be uh, I think it will be a nice homecoming, though. I think everyone here in Utah still absolutely loves Rudy Gobert. Um, and he's not been doing the uh, scorned X thing that Donovan Mitchell is doing in Cleveland <laughs> where he's trying to convince the world how much happier he is. Right. And everyone in Utah is like, all right, sure, mm. have fun. We're, we're having fun over here. Yeah. 
I guess I don't know if that bugs Donovan Mitchell. It, it's more that I think Donovan Mitchell is following the same playbook he followed when he got to Utah, and just talking everything up, being so happy. And he very well could be happy. I don't I don't think it's insincere. It's just he's following that same playbook of excitement, and it's coming off as being the score index. I don't know if that's purposeful, but it seems like that. <laughs> it's just weird to see. It is a little weird, and also a bit a of gaslighting. Uh, uh, yeah, a little disingenuous. Uh, so again, a few things for about uh, Utah State and Loyola Marymount. You had a chance to catch up with Coach Odom uh, today. Uh, some thoughts that he shared about uh, their opponent late Saturday night. Yeah, a couple of <laughs> I don't know if you were going into one of the cuts because um, he, sh- he shared a few things. It wasn't the longest. Uh, it was actually weird where. Normally the interviews are a little longer, but um, you know, he he shared several things about different opponents. You know, I, I went through Kelly uh, Lupepe. I think we'll hear how he says it. He probably says it more uh, more accurately than I do. He had a couple of different quotes. He's asked a couple of different times. Um, we also talked about uh, Cam Shelton because um, I kind of went through what what Kelly's like. But he also talked about Cam Shelton, some of the the uh, you know troubles he might pose to the team. You know, Shelton's having a great season right now, you know, averaging close to 20 a game. He's their primary player. Um, you know, he's good ball screens. He's good shooting behind the arc. He's good porching in the lane. Uh, you know, he, he's just a tough matchup and makes big plays for them. Okay. Um, yeah, so, again, Shelton and Lupepe are, are two, you know, Potentially dangerous, and um, we play that first cut on uh, Lupepe where you talk about how he's kind of a unique player, and some of the things that I, that I kind of went through. Uh, Lea Pepe is is a unique player, um, you know, physical size, not a jumper necessarily, but can shoot threes, uh, can drive the ball and, and expose matchup, you know, uh, mismatches. Uh, can get fouled going to the basket, rebounds the ball, and, and attacks mismatches really well. Uh, so he can play the four and the five, so that provides a little a stiff challenge uh, playing against our bigs. You know, we'll try to limit that as much as we can. Yeah, so he'll be he'll be a tough matchup. He's one of those frustrating guys. In some ways, like Graham E.K., not really – the same play style, but you run into these guys every now and again with these undersized forwards. You're like, why can't you stop that guy? But he just keeps doing it over and over. EK has his, you know, much more post-oriented style. Lupepe has a, um, you know, inside-outside game that he goes with attacking closeouts or shooting threes. So there's there's obvious difference in style, but these guys are all over the NCAA where it's like, why are you not stopping this guy? But he, he's just good, and it, it's hard to stop him. Yeah, I think it's just being physical with them without fouling uh, and, and getting them off some of the shots from three and not getting caught in in between where you're running back to him all the time. If you're running back to him all the time, that's where he's really good off of his fakes and he uses his speed to get around or his physicality to get around. And so we want him to have to make two and three moves, you know, to get to the basket on us. We don't want the straight straight line drives, you know, when he's attacking us. And that's the thing, like when I, I went back and was watching some of his highlights in film, I mean not so much film, it was a lot more highlights, because it, it was a surface level, because so I wanted to get an idea of what kind of player he was. This, this is when I was writing my non-conference schedule breakdowns. This is a couple weeks ago. Um, and it was that thing, it was he shoots threes, and when you, deta- you 
try and close out on him, he goes right around you, and he he's a freight train. You're not going to stop him. And he gets fouled a lot. He's the leader in free throw attempts for the team, almost five per game, I think. So you got to be disciplined on him, which Odom, you know, he broke down. So you, you got to make it harder for him. You got to make him do multiple moves, which he's not, he's not a ball handler. So if you can make him handle the ball, it might make him a little more uncomfortable. Mm. So try and limit him. But it sounds like they do have a lot of guys who can handle the ball. A lot of guys who, in similar ways to Utah State, that multiple guys can be uh, able to, to move it around and, and pass the ball around, initiate some offense, and difficult to hone in on any particular guy. Yeah, well, shooting in particular is where they have a lot of uh, variety. I mentioned they have they have two guys who are 40-plus percent shooters in Lupepe and, uh, and a guy off the bench, uh, Stevens. I'm forgetting his first name, but it's Stevens' last name. He averaged about nine points per game off the bench, and he's their top three-point shooter, averaged about six uh, attempts per game. As I said, Shelton's shooting like 39%. But overall, their team likes to shoot a ton. They have a lot of shooters, and as a team, as I said, solid from three, and they like to take them a lot. As I said, they're fourth in the country in uh, total three-point attempts. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to the two games ago, Utah Tech. You know, you look at them and you say, all right, they're a pretty good three-point shooting team. But it, it's more about, you know, the totality of their team. It's not just two guys. You know, it's a lot of Oh, sorry, that one cut off weird. Yeah, it cut off. No, it's, yeah. The, the main point was in the early part where he does talk about, you know, whole team. They do have some stars who can shoot from three, guys who will shoot it from deep who will pop off any kind of shot, the Ashworth and Taylor Funk, you know, that's the comparison to our guys. Those kind of guys who can shoot it from everywhere, you got to guard them anywhere in the half court. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown of LMU. We'll see a lot of Shelton and uh, Lupepe, I think, pick and roll, although Lupepe does pick and pop. He doesn't necessarily roll the basket. He does screen, um, pop out to the three-point line, and then Shelton, he's one of the best uh, in scoring off of the pick and roll. Um, you know, in, in terms of his points per possession, he's the ball handle in the pick and roll. He's like in the 86th percentile in points per possession on that, on that particular play. So we can score off of that, but if you cover that, pops it out to the big man and he drains a three on you. So it's a, it's a tough matchup defensively. Uh, yeah, this will be good for Utah State, um, a team that, um, Started to do a little bit better in in their perimeter defense in their last game. Uh, it's uh, one of their their real weaknesses uh, for the season. Um, but that's something that I know Coach Odom has been trying to stress with his team is that they've got to be better at their perimeter defense because while their Aggies are shooting lights out from beyond the arc for the most case. Um, it, you can't expect that you're just going to overwhelm and overpower your opponents every game. You have to play some defense. And actually, their, their last game, they did not shoot well from three. Um, but they were able to find other ways to to, uh, to distribute the ball, get points in other ways, and play a little bit better on the perimeter themselves. Yeah, they, they attacked the basket really well, so they showed variety on offense. That was an important thing. And that's where you see Shulga and Barristow getting a little more involved. Dan Akin, of course always being involved, and that showed their, their passing capability because when you're giving it to Akin, Akin's not creating offense for himself. Uh, he has one method of creation, and it's a turnaround hook shot in the post. That's the one creation he can do, and he's okay at it. Um, kind of like early Justin Bean, where he didn't. there weren't really a lot of offensive sets that were called for Justin Bean, 
but he was regularly at a double-double or near a double-double. But it was all because of he was active. He was in the right place at the right time and had a lot of his points were off of putbacks or just being near the hoop when, it be, when the ball became available. And really that's a lot of what Dan Atkins doing for this team right now. Yeah, exactly right. He's, he's in the right spot. He hangs around in the dunker spot. And then, you know, Jones, Ashworth, Shulga, Barristow, whoever's driving into the paint, dump it off to Atkins. He's open for a dunk. You saw that a lot late against San Francisco because they were trying to – San Francisco was putting all their effort into stopping the three-point shot. That's why Utah State didn't take very many of them. You know, so they didn't shoot horribly when they shot five of nineteen, which is like in the mid twenties, percentage wise. But they, they only they only took nineteen, and they averaged like twenty six per game. I think they were averaging closer to thirty per game before that uh, game. You know, brought their average down. So they just didn't really try, and they didn't need to. They were smart and not forcing the threes. They went inside, and you know, Shulga would finish his shots. Barristow would finish his shots, and when they got swarmed. When the defense began helping really hard on them, that the the guy you know supposed to be guarding Atkins, he's the you know rim protector, the center. He helps on the driver. Well, suddenly Atkins wide open. That's why you saw like three or four wide open dunks in the last seven eight minutes of that game for Atkins. He's just they were selling out on the driver, but Utah State's guys can pass, and so they're able to find Atkins for you know he ends up scoring nineteen points. Uh, I was curious. Just um, I understand that you talked to a coach uh, about the net ranking. This is probably his first time to meet with members of the media since the inaugural net rankings came out earlier this week. Uh, and Utah State opened up at, at 15, which has had, I've seen several national writers scratching their head at that ranking, how USU got that high. Um, but they haven't really played a game since the, the rankings were released. But what what was uh, how was Coach Odom and his staff reacting to the rankings? Yeah, so, well, his initial... He gave a decently long answer, and at first he was like, ah, we don't look at that. And then he went on to give a decent answer, more involving schedules and how these games matter and things like that. So he's aware of the importance of non-conference and the NET, but he also downplayed in term, like as far as how they're thinking about it right now. Um, you know, you know how, is it important that they started at 15? Kind of. So they're not really thinking too much about it right now, but he does recognize the importance of it and the non-conference schedule. Yeah, I mean, we don't read too much into it this early in the season, right? It's uh, it's just a metric you know, that exists. Obviously, it's better to be in that position than to be extremely low. Um, and so that's a positive, but you know, it's all about what we do you know, going forward in the totality of the season. As you know, it's really early. But these games matter. Like These games that we're playing right now clearly matter. Uh, you know, for later in the year. They don't matter in terms of conference record and that, you know, competing for a Mountain West championship, but they do matter uh, in the totality of our season. And so, you know, we're, we're approaching each of these games in the same manner. You know, it's a big game for the Aggies. Yeah, interesting thoughts there. Yeah. Um, that the, the schedule has worked in USU's favor. And so we've talked about before, decent teams, not great teams, but not bad teams. And really, when we talked early on before the season got going, it looked to us like this is a schedule that will be solid for the team, but mostly it appears to be built to let this coaching staff figure out who they have and get them tuned up before conference play. So far, I mean, it's, they're doing that and achieving more which is great. 
yeah, they're they're playing as you said, good teams, not elite teams, but also not bad teams. Um, so no quad one games, no quad four games. They're all quad two, quad three. So there's not really a night off, but there's not really this enormous challenge that you're having to face. And that's probably a big reason why Utah State's so high in the NET is that they don't have any of these quad four games, these, you know, 327 the NET dragging them down. They will eventually because they'll play Weber State. It's like the only quad four game they have until conference play. You know, some of these other teams could drop down. You know, UVU just barely jumped out of being a quad four game, so they could fall back down. But overall, like, Utah State's, you know, they've had a schedule that's tested them, but also been a very winnable schedule to the point where they're a good team, and that's why they've managed to go 7-0 and against a good schedule. Um, all right, we need to transition and finish up uh, one of our last topics here on the Full Court Press just because for the sake of time, uh, we have uh, full or the <laughs> Skyview Bobcats pregame coverage with Hurricane John Newbold coming up. Uh, expected that to begin about 445, and uh, they will be taking on Olympus tonight here on the fan. Utah Jazz taking on Minnesota after that. But um, in the meantime, we need to, we didn't get to this last night. We were going to, but we got sidelined with the UHSAA announcement uh, with the, uh, the, the new uh, revisions or the, ne- the first consideration for regions. They had their first consideration for alignments, and then they had first consideration for regions. But uh, we didn't get to our pick six last night, so we're going to do that today here on the Full Court Press. And, um, Jason, you won last week, so I'll give you the chance to decide if you want to go first. Or have me go first. Um, I'll go first this time. All I don't right. know if I went first last time or not. Um, so Mike Conley is supposed to come back. I should probably double check. I'm he is sure. listed. He is supposed to play tonight. Yes. Okay. So good because my first line involves him. So <laughs> Mike Conley combined points and assists in his uh, return to the lineup over under 17 and a half. 17 and a half. Uh, that's pretty good. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take the under. All right. I'm going to take the over. Okay. Uh, it's similar, but for a different player, uh, Rudy Gobert. Uh, so he's coming back to play the jazz, uh, combined points, rebounds, and blocks for him over under 27 and a half. He had himself a pretty good game the other day. I'm going to take the over on that. I'm going to take the under. Okay. And then final one, who attempts more three-pointers? Not makes, just attempts. Who attempts more threes between Utah State and Loyola? So just straight up, one or the other. USU or LMU. Yeah. Uh, I will take – I'll take the Aggies. All right, I'll take Loyola. Okay. For me, I'm going back to the Jazz. Combined blocks from Rudy Gobert and Blocker Kessler. Four and a half. Ooh. Combined blocks between Rudy Gobert and Walker Kessler tonight in their matchup in Vivint Arena. I'm going to say over. 
Okay, I'm going to take the under. Uh, combined rushing yards for Navy and Army. Setting the line at 490 and a half. 490 uh, yards and a half. I'll take the over. Okay, I'm going to take the under. I think I'm going to lose that one, though. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to, I was trying to remember who averaged a lot, but I know Navy wasn't that good this year. So, uh, And then finally for me, Brock Purdy passing yards Gosh. versus Tampa, 215 and a half. I'm going to go under. I'm going to take the over. Okay. Do you have a tiebreaker? Um, well, I did. I have to go to kind of a backup because my tiebreaker involved the number of blocks for Walker Kessler. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> I do have another backup, so we'll just go with that. Um, Utah State, uh, total rebounds against Loyola. So you pick one, and I'll just take the other one. So uh, the over-under for total rebounds, just Utah State, 33 and a half. 33 and a half. I'm going to take the under. <laughs> That's the one I was going to take. Up, but <laughs> but I, I, I got to take the over, so I'll take the over. Okay. All right. That's our pick six. The things we think might happen this weekend, we'll uh, recap it on Monday, see how well we did on trying to predict the future and uh, trying to guess what might happen. So coming up, speaking of the future, uh, Skyview basketball. Hurricane John Newbold with the pregame coverage as Skyview is set to take on Olympus here in just a few minutes. Uh, and then after that, it'll be the Utah Jazz taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Pre-game at 6.50, tip-off at 7 here on The Fan and the Utah Jazz Radio Network. It's coming up next. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody.